Welcome back to another edition of the Mindset Entrepreneur video podcast. Thrilled to have you back. And I'm here with my special guest, Jim McCorkle of Woburn Municipal Federal Credit Union. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Bach, thanks for having me. appreciate it. Now, just to make it easy for the show today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to call Jim the Jim of all trades. And he has a brother named Jack, by the way, so it's kind of ironic. But in this case, we're calling, I want to, I want to give a little background of Jim. Not only does he have a full-time job as the president and CEO of a credit union, he, which he's been, he's been in banking for 27 years? Over 30, Mark. Over 30. Over okay. 30. He's been working at TD Garden, TD Garden as uh, uh, security, a head of security for 25 years? 26. 26. Event security manager for 26. Uh, 26 years. Uh, he's a middle school teacher, a recently now middle school teacher. He's a goalie coordinator, right? And to top it all off, he's an identical twin. So a lot of hats there, Jim. Yes, a lot of hats. A lot of hats. But it's fun. Uh, so um, I guess I wanted to start out by um, you really have a diverse set of interests and things that you've really been involved in over the course of your career and life. And I guess uh, let's start simple. Uh, when you were a kid, um, it seems like whatever you're doing, you really are doing a lot around people and serving people and supporting people. So where did the passion come from growing up for that? Well, Mark, I'm one of seven. Um, so... Growing up in a house um, with six brothers and sisters, uh, my parents, one bathroom, which always made it interesting. Wow. Uh, kind of like the Brady Bunch. Um, but we, I just came from a big family. Uh, on my mother's side, there's 18 grandchildren. So every, other, every family function, weddings, baptisms, whatever the case may be, there was always a ton of people around. So I think that's where you know, my comfort level came with, with being around a lot of people and being involved with people. And, and I know you have some interest and passion around entrepreneurship in general. So, uh, you know, was that kind of, did you, did you take any unique jobs as a kid or was that just, where, where does that passion come from in looking at small companies and stuff? Well, I, I think like back in the day when I was growing up, I, I, could, I did what every, every other young boy did, deliver papers, um, which was fun. Um, but then I moved on and uh, in high school we worked at uh, Lambert's Fruit. Um, which was a very different, unique job, uh, but a lot of fun. Um, and then once I got into college, I, I started in banking as a part-time teller during the summer at Bay Bank, and you know my passion just built from there in the banking world, in the financial industry, and it's just taken off from there. So, But Jim's leaving out an important detail, everybody. As we got to know each other more, we're finding out we have quite a bit in common, and Jim had the best job shadowing opportunity when he was a kid. You've got to tell our audience, Jim, so cool. Mark, yeah. When we were in fourth grade, um, they had asked us to write a uh, little story about what we might want to do when we grow up. Um, and then they asked us to try to contact somebody in that industry to see if they'd be willing to let us job shadow them for the day. So uh, I was fortunate enough that at the time my passion was sports, um, and I wanted to get into the sports field, uh, possibly television. So I wrote Bob Lobel at Channel 4, and uh, he invited me to come. And I sp- spent the day with Bob and uh, watched him put together his sports cast and watched him put together his script. Um, and I was there until probably, I think it was probably quarter 12 midnight the night I worked with him. It was quite an experience. I'm so jealous. And to this day, I still have the script. And he was such a pioneer in sports and making it funny and, and engaging. So, so Jim, I want to talk about um, 
you had a milestone moment in your career that not everybody has. And, you know, when you started out in the banking industry being a teller and you had that opportunity, you were asked, your, your contributions and impact were noticed, and you were asked to, to enroll in their management training program. And to me, that's quite an honor because not everybody gets that opportunity. What, what do you think they saw in you where they gave you that opportunity? I hope what they saw was my passion for, for giving 100%, um, really trying to solve problems, uh, trying to make the customer experience a memorable one. Uh, so when the, uh, the customers left the bank, uh, that they were 100% happy. And, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I, I think the best marketing you can have is your customers going to tell somebody else. Because I think that's really what's going to drive more business to you. So I'd like to think that's what they saw in me. Um, and like I said, they presented me with the opportunity and I, w- I was glad to accept it. And um, that really was the genesis for where I am today. So I am very thankful um, that I was presented that opportunity. And I don't think I'd be where I am today if not for that opportunity back then. So Jim, you know, I I think I see one of your jobs as the CEO of the credit union as modeling a culture, a mindset, an attitude of service to customers. Mm -hmm. And Why did service become so important to you? If you think of some experiences you've had on the other side over the course of your life, what what really stands out to you when you're being served as marks of great service? Well, I think it's important, and one thing I try to impress upon um, my team is uh, accountability and ownership. Uh, I think we can all probably talk about some experiences we've had where the service levels weren't up to our expectations. And I think a lot of that has to do with people not willing to take uh, responsibility or accountability or ownership of an issue or a problem and then trying to do the best to uh, make sure that they uh, rectify or solve the problem. Uh, one of the things I always say to my staff is you got to inspect what you expect. So if we're setting an expectation, we need to go back and make sure that we're meeting that. Um, if we're working on a problem for a member and we tell them we'll get back to them by 2 o'clock, then we need to get back to them by 2 o'clock, even if we don't have the answer, because that's the expectation we set. So just touch base for them for a second. Let them know that you know you haven't forgot about them, you're still working on it, um, but you wanted to touch base with them and let them know kind of an update where we're at. You okay if I still inspect what you expect? Because I happen to really like that. I just had to write that down. I'm like, I like that. No problem. No problem. I'll give you credit. I promise. <laughs> I haven't um, copyrighted it. There you go. There you go. So, um, Jim, I know one of your values, and I know one of the things that I'm sure your employees really appreciate is your um, focus on employee development. And a lot of companies, those are words. You know, those people say, oh, well, we really care about the growth of our employees. And so, um, beyond the obvious, why, why is that so critical? Beyond making sure they enjoy their job, that extra piece. Well, I think, Mark, if, if you're coming to work and you don't enjoy what you do, it becomes very difficult. I like to say I enjoy what I do. I thoroughly enjoy what I do. I like to say I don't, I've never worked a day in my life because I enjoy what I'm doing. So I don't really think of it as a job or work when I'm getting there. But I think it's important, too, in my role is to understand your staff and what their goals are uh, and try to get them prepared for the next level, um, whatever that might be. Uh, I do feel personally responsible to make sure that that I'm developing them uh, so when opportunities present themselves, that they're able to either move up within the organization or if that opportunity takes them somewhere else, that's okay. 
Uh, I don't think a, a good manager, CEO, should ever hold somebody back from pursuing their dreams. And I do feel a, an obligation to try to prepare them for that. Because as a manager or CEO, if I'm doing my job, if somebody presents an opportunity and they move on, then I should be able to prepare the next person that comes in and get them to the point that I need them. So, Okay. And, uh, you know, part of the integrity aspect of your job is really, I think, serving the community and, and supporting, you know, the, va- the mission and values of, of the credit union. And uh, I learned you're doing an incredible thing uh, in, in the middle school, in Wilbur Kennedy Middle School, I believe. Wilbur Kennedy, yes. You and some of your fellow executives from the bank are teaching a financial literacy course over the re- up from started in September, September, correct, all the way through Christmas. How are you able to? Because getting a program in schools is very tough, and that was this is volunteer, obviously. So how, how are you able to do that? Well, it's I think financial literacy in general is an important thing. Unfortunately, in my line of work, I, I see things sometimes on a day to day basis where. People don't understand the simplest tasks uh, when it comes to handling their finances. Um, I know there's been talk in, in some states that financial literacy now has become uh, regulated to be part of a curriculum in order for somebody to graduate. And, and I would be all for something like that through all the states. Um, I just think sometimes people have gotten away from the basics of how to do things, and it creates problems down the road that they're maybe not so sure of how that's going to happen uh, until it's already happened. And then they get stuck in a position where it's, it's an uphill battle. So we've purchased a program from the Credit Union Museum up in Manchester, New Hampshire. It's called See You for Reality, uh, where it's an educational class, but also a real-life simulation. So the beginning of the class starts off the first couple of weeks where we really talk about vocabulary, talk about terminology, um, different things, how to write a check, um, difference between deposits, withdrawals, difference between accounts, lending, things like that. And then we move into the second, kind of the second part of the class is we ask all the students to complete a job application for three particular jobs in the credit union. One would be a credit union person, one would be a uh, bill collector, and one would be a a payee. Then working with the teacher, um, we'll decide what three kids will fill those roles, and then the rest of the class, they have to complete a business plan. So for the second half of the semester, it's kind of a real-life simulation where the children will actually run their own businesses in the classroom during the class period where they're either selling a product or a service. So, for instance, for a service, like you could open a nail salon and do nails Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, or sell a particular type of product. We want them to put a little thought into it so they can't just go out and buy a box of pens and then resell the pens. They have to do something to the pen to make it unique. But during that they're going to obviously sell their product and services, so they're going to be taking money in, whether it's cash, not real cash, but yeah, simulated cash, or they're going to receive checks for the product or service that they delivered, and they're going to have to go to the credit union, make deposit, they're going to have to track it all in their own check register, and then at the end of the program, hopefully each child has is, is run a successful business, and they have money to spend, and what we do is we go to all of our vendors, and we gather different auction items, and we actually do a live auction. Yeah, so great. And again, hopefully what that's teaching them too, not even for the auction, it's fun and it, uh, obviously it's a culmination and they hopefully will be able to walk away with some cool gifts. Uh, but it teaches them about budgeting too. So they'll get a list of all the auction items and there'll be some that I'm sure that pique their interest and want it, but they're only going to have what they earn during the classroom to spend. So they have to budget 
I want to bid on this, but I also want to bid on this. What's going to be my maximum bid here to make sure I have enough to bid on the other things? So. Well, and I, I think beyond all the obvious benefits of the program, you know, the thing that stands out to me is you're addressing what I call the dream-crushing syndrome. And the dream-crushing syndrome is when a child, especially at the middle school level, comes home and says, you know what, mom and dad, when I grow up, I want to be a professional baseball player. I want to do this. And then the mom and dad says, you know what, that's probably not going to happen. So you should probably think more practically. And there's so much of that that goes on. And what you're doing to me is not only are you allowing them to experience the fun pieces of business, but they can do whatever they want. So it's their own passion. So how often do kids get to really do something related to their passion at that age that's meaningful? My son said to me one time, he goes, if I want to start my own business teaching other kids how to be better at Fortnite, and I said to myself, sure. You want to learn some entrepreneurial skills and learn how to engage other people? Great. That's, that's tremendous. So I, I love that, that you're doing it. That's great. I know one of the other uh, big things that are happening for the bank is you've just uh, opened two ATMs in the area. And why, be, why is that so important, Jim? I mean, beyond the obvious, people might think, oh, I know, but why, why really is it important? Well, I think in this day and age of technology, too, uh, and our members' busy lifestyles, it's not always easy or practical to be able to get to the office uh, to get their money and things like that. So we've really, I've been there since 2015, so we've really tried to upgrade our technology and our delivery service channels uh, in order for our members who have busy lifestyles, as most of us do nowadays, to be able to do what they need when they, when they have the time to do it. Um, so allowing them the opportunity to go to um, either BJ's in Stoneham or Best Buy in Burlington, which are both on the Wooden border, um, to use those ATMs at no charge uh, for our membership. And again, we're looking to put some other ones up um, in Woburn. Uh, we're, we're having some discussions right now with some people about some different locations. So hopefully down the road we'll have a few more announcements to make and... Uh, Again, we just want to be accessible to our members whenever they need us. Well, and it feels like customer demands are evolving by the minute. You know, obviously with technology, like you said, but to me, it's it's attention span. No one really has an attention span anymore. It's like you said, the expectation levels are totally different. So I would imagine keeping up with that is quite a chore. It's definitely been challenging but exciting. You know, I, I've been in this industry over 30 years, and it's very different from when I started my way back in, you know, in the 80s at Baybank. So... Uh, but it's been fun to be part of this and, and see it evolve. But I still think that you can deliver um, the old-fashioned way, too. And that's what, I want. that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be, be both sides of it. For all this that we've done and all the technology and all the new delivery channels that we've offered, uh, the last couple of years at our annual meeting, I've always said the same thing. We haven't taken anything away, and we we'll never will take anything away. All we've done is add to the toolbox, so... So, Jim, uh, I want to touch upon your experience uh, at the TD Garden, but I have a couple of questions to wrap up what we're talking about here. Certainly. First of all, I think a lot of people genuinely don't understand the the difference between a credit union and a bank. And if you're kind of determining where you want to bank, so what what is it? If you could educate the audience, you know, and what is it that the Woburn Credit Union does perhaps that maybe other banks in the general Woburn area don't do? Well, the the, the biggest difference between a credit union and a bank is a Credit Union is a not-for-profit cooperative. It's owned by the membership. So, Like the Green Bay Packers. Just like the Green Bay Packers. Right? Okay. So every time a member joins a credit union, uh, they have to put uh, a predetermined deposit amount into a savings account. For us, it's $25. And I think that's typically what you'll see in credit unions. It's $25. And then basically, that's your membership. So that money, that 25 always sits there, and that allows you to take advantage of any of the products and services that the credit union has to offer. 
You know, Mark, right now, um, over a third of the population are credit union members, which is a pretty good size. I think credit unions, because of their not-for-profit status and the fact that they're trying to give back to the members, whether it's in high deposit rates, lower lending rates, uh, and things of that nature. And again, most credit unions are part of a, a large worldwide ATM network uh, that's free for their members. Uh, ours is the co-op network and the sum network. So that allows our members, regardless of where they are traveling anywhere in the States, uh, to be able to use an ATM and not get charged for it. So it's really, I, I've always said the biggest difference is credit unions will work together. Um, where banks are, are kind of their own entity and, you know, you don't typically see a lot of crossover. Um, if we have members moving out of Woburn, we'll let them know that we're, depending on where they're moving, that there's this credit union or that credit union that probably mirrors a lot of the things that we do. So, Gotcha. So, Jim, I, I have to tell you, uh, just transitioning for a second, I saw uh, a testimonial about you online. And, you know, the word leadership is thrown around very casually. And uh, the testimonial talked about your ability to bring out the best in everyone. And I read that and I thought to myself, is there any better compliment a leader could get than that? And even though I know you're a very humble guy, what is it that you think you do that makes people feel that comfortable with you, buy into your vision and your leadership style? I hope it's the fact that I'm not afraid to roll up my sleeves and, and get right down on the trenches with them. You know, when we converted our system a couple of years ago, um, I spent a couple of days on the tow line. Uh, Frank, my VP, spent some days on the tow line. I like to foster an atmosphere where it, we're all in it together. Um, obviously, people have titles and, and there's different job responsibilities. But at the end of the day, I truly look at it as it, it's a team setting where we're all working together for the same goal. Um, and everybody is equally as important. It's not one person that's, that's above the team. So, All right, so let's have some fun here, Jim. So 20, 26 years at the TD Garden, I read you work with the Secret Service on executive protection for former presidents and Democratic candidates during the Democratic National Convention. I'm not going to ask you about the convention because I avoid talking politics every chance I get because <laughs> I detest it. Uh, so what I want to ask you about is, could you share over your career maybe a couple of uh, impactful experience you've had with either athletes or celebrities or people at the garden that you've come into contact with that have been meaningful for you? Well, you know, the, the DNC was back in, in 2004, and I, and I agree, I'm not going to get into the politic talk, but kind of as a layperson, you know, a banker, to get that access um, really inside of the Secret Service was, I can't even put into words uh, what that meant in the briefings and the stuff that we were allowed to be a part of and, and have them ask us questions and, um, and get our input was, was second to none. You know, it's been a fun part-time job. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of things. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to see a couple of championships with the Celtics and the Bruins. Um, I was fortunate enough to be gifted a Stanley Cup ring, oh. uh, which wow. uh, I treasure. Oh, I would have had you bring that today, Jim. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> but it's funny, and, and I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of uh, a lot of athletes, uh, a lot of performers, and, you know, I grew up playing hockey. Uh, I'm still involved. My daughter's still playing hockey today. Um, it's my passion. Uh, so I, I have a special affinity for the hockey players. I think they're great. Um, they really, you know, they're the ones that are up at 5 in the morning going to practice and 
uh, I think they're really humble, and that's not to say that the other athletes aren't, because I think they they truly are. But uh, I just have a special place for the hockey players. But you know, you had asked about you know an athlete or somebody that I met that really made an impact on me, and and I would really say it's two people. But I think people would be surprised to know that they're not athletes. Hmm. Two people that I've met in my 26 years there. The first one, um, Sam Burns, uh, a young gentleman who had progeria, um, who I was able to become very good friends with him and his family um, just through his connection through the Bruins. And talk about an impactful young man. And progeria is you age quicker? Correct. Right, okay. HBO did a, a documentary on him, A Life About Sam. Okay. Um, it was about 90 minutes. Um, I was fortunate enough to be asked to go to, to the premiere in Boston, and it was, it was quite an in- insight into uh, Progeria and what they're doing and, and what it, the work that his parents and his family are doing in Progeria. And unfortunately, Sam's no longer with us. Um, but, you know, his birthday was just a couple of weeks ago, and, and I always make a point to post on Facebook you know, that I missed him. He's, he was an, an unbelievable individual, hmm. uh, and he really made an impact on my life. And the second person, uh, again, a non-athlete, is, I'm sure you're probably familiar with him, Liam Fitzgerald, the fist bump kid. Yep. Again, what an unbelievable uh, young man. Um, funny, witty, but it really kind of helped me to kind of take a step back and, and really look at what's important in life. Uh, you know, I, I get to fortunately be around athletes and, and some cool things. Um, but when you see what those two young men have gone through and, and the way they've faced it and, and the, the vigor and the, the smiles that they have on their face on day to day, it just, you know, it's fun. So a, is, with all the athletes I've met, and I've met a ton of them, you know, those are probably the two biggest people in my life that I've met there that have made an impact on me. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. You know, the one thing, a uh, funny story, very quick 10-second funny story is um, Jim and I have probably walked by each other a couple of hundred times, and we had never met up until today. So just ironic because I'm a freelance sports writer. I got to tell you, the one thing, Jim, that to me is the key to human connection approachability is your smile. And you are constantly smiling. And oh, it's, thank you. It's, it's such a wonderful quality, and I'm sure that contributes very much to people's comfort level with you. So thank you so much for coming on. Really, you're an interesting guy and had a lot to offer. I appreciate that. Mark, I appreciate it. Thank you for having yeah. me. So Jim McCorkle, and uh, my name is uh, Mark Altman. You've been listening to another edition of the Mindset Entrepreneur Video Podcast. Thanks to our very loyal partner, DeVideo Company, for their great job producing and shooting and we'll look back we'll look forward to seeing you for another episode next time